0: The Ghost Goal Podcast. The Premier League's title contenders, Manchester City, Liverpool, and Chelsea, all benefited from favorable penalty decisions this weekend to keep all three on pace with one another as we round into the Christmas period. Meanwhile, after postponing the weekend's Brighton vs. Tottenham fixture, Further COVID outbreaks at Manchester United, Aston Villa, Leicester, and a few more clubs have cast doubts over how long the league can justify its traditional fixture congestion. I'm Alex, here with. Oh. Yeah, that's right. Javier had to bail out a little bit earlier than expected, so uh, we're going to be doing tonight's pod solo. So, first for me, first for a few of you, I'm sure. Bear with me. It's obviously not going to be as long of a pod as uh, we traditionally like to aim for. Uh, normally, we could try to go forty minutes tops. Sometimes we go over that. You guys are probably familiar, but I'll try and keep it to uh, about fifteen to twenty today. Because, as I just mentioned, with this uh, these COVID outbreaks going on around the league, uh, we've already had news today that the. Uh, Tuesday midweek game between Brentford and Manchester United has been postponed due to a COVID outbreak in the Manchester United camp. It's all like pretty scary stuff, so we're not sure whether by the time I release this whether there's going to be other games this week that may be postponed. So try to keep it to the uh, main bullet points of the week, some recaps of uh, last weekend's results. But thank you for listening, and I hope you guys enjoy it. I mean, the first place... We have to start, I guess, is just with the, the COVID outbreaks in general. The Premier League uh, got news just earlier today that there's been 42 new COVID cases in the past week, which is the highest jump in uh, new cases among Premier League players pretty much since the fixtures began in May of 2020. The most before that was 40 cases back in January. So seeing a bit of a link here between the winter months and these COVID cases starting to uh, jump up. And, uh, yeah, with fans pretty much back in stadiums, it's uh, not surprising to see them uh, having to postpone first that Brighton versus Tottenham game that I mentioned over last weekend that still hasn't been rescheduled, and now this Brentford versus Manchester United game. It feels necessary for us to, you know, not have something much, much worse happen. So I, I understand why, you know, just the day before Uh, the game like this Brentford Manchester United one why they feel the need to postpone and just sort of reassess you know it 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 was at a point where over the weekend the Saturday fixture that Manchester United played at Norwich that they won 1-0 Victor Lindelof had to be taken off because of shortness of breath and I, I think we all kind of jumped on that as you know that linking that to COVID can't really say for sure yet but if you can put two and two together it's not too much of a leap to, to think, yeah, the recent you know shutting down of Manchester United's training ground and new COVID cases at the club, they may be linked with this. So it's a necessary precaution. Uh, I obviously hope other games this midweek don't get uh, postponed, but we all have to be understanding if they do, even if it affects our fantasy teams. We, we, we can put ourselves aside for the greater good of obviously these players Uh, Long-term health, and uh, there's, there's, I would say, I wouldn't say there's plenty of time to reschedule a lot of these because there are starting to be a, a couple of postponed fixtures stacking up that don't have a date that they're rescheduled for. But you know, in order to keep everyone safe, it's it's better to you know push things off for a little bit later down the season, see how the schedule plays out with cup competitions and who falls out, and then you know reschedule it for the second half of the season. So all that's to say, whatever what games I do preview uh, a little bit today are going to be, uh, you know, up up in the air whether I rele- release this and uh, all of a sudden those games aren't happening anymore. But it's only really one or two games this midweek that are uh, really catching the eye. So let's start out with uh, well, Tuesday there's a Norwich Aston Villa game Tuesday at two forty-five p.m. Aston Villa and Norwich are two of the clubs that you know have been mentioned in the batch of new COVID cases, so there, there, there is, I would say, a slight chance of that being rescheduled. Uh, Manchester City will host Leeds Tuesday at 3 p.m. City are themselves coming off a 1-0 win over Wolves, which I won't dare to say they did not deserve, but there, <laughs> there was a real, uh, of all the penalties that uh, I will mention today, you know, maybe blame it on me being a Chelsea fan, but Manchester City's one against Wolves seemed the most dubious and they struggled for big parts of that game against Wolves to to break down consistently a Wolves team that played with 10 men for 45 minutes. Raul Jimenez stupidly got sent off right at the end of the first half by just not backing off on a, on a free kick that was about to be taken and getting a second yellow card immediately after getting a yellow card from the, the foul that caused the free kick, so... City, you know, that's obviously the championship mentality that they have. They keep plugging away, they keep pushing on, and they eventually get the penalty right around the time that uh, Javier said. I think uh, over our preview pod, Javier was mentioning he thought Wolves would be able to defend well and eventually, you know, break after about 60 to 70 minutes. So credit to Javier, that penalty was in the 66th minute. And I uh, hope he has got has safe travels over uh, to Peru this week. Uh, we'll miss him this week. But City themselves, they powered through against uh, you know, staunch opposition, a Wolves team that two weeks in a row now has taken two title contenders and the two most recent Premier League champions in Manchester City and Liverpool and has really made them work for those 1-0 leads. Liverpool right at the end had to score. And now Manchester City needed a penalty that hit the underside of Joao Matinho's arm. Let's just say it was his arm. Because I mostly saw it hit his, uh, his, his body just below his arm. That was his contention with the de, with the decision. But when you're away at a uh, title-winning side like that, they're, they're going to get those breaks. And that's going to be a common theme of this week with all the penalty decisions I already mentioned. But City will have to contend with a... Different kind of uh, of test in Leeds on Tuesday. It's a Leeds team that uh, probably had one of their better performances of the season in that uh, three-two loss right at the end to uh, to Chelsea over the weekend. But the, the the injuries themselves and and the effort that Leeds put in just to barely even be getting a draw from that game at Chelsea leads me to believe that them traveling to the Etihad is not going to end not going to end well, especially with only two to three days rest. Uh, So I would probably have to lean towards something like a a 3-0 win for Manchester City, maybe a 3-1, because I'm I'm willing to give Leeds some credit. They like to foul a lot, which breaks up the game and can disrupt Manchester City's momentum. But we saw that fouling come back to really bite them, because the mentality that puts the team in was also something that I personally believe in the Chelsea game. Led leads to be and their players to be a bit too eager in some of their, their, their closing down, which led to the two penalties, two very easily preventable penalties that you know both Rafinha, who uh, went through Rudiger for the first penalty, and uh, Mateusz Klick, the the Polish midfielder, just stupidly kicked out at Rudiger's the back of Rudiger's leg with no time left right at the end of the game to give give away the game winning penalty. Dumb mistakes like that. Yeah, they are, in fact, dumb, but there is a there is a reason as to why the bo- multiple challenges like that are happening in one game. It's the stress of having to defend for 90 minutes against a far superior team uh, and, you know, being away from home doing it. Plus, you know, I'm not sure Marcelo Bielsa is coaching these players up to be as aggressive and intense in their pressing and in their in their challenges as possible for them to get, have any sort of chance at winning the ball back and, you know, creating chances of their own. So a, a, a strategy like that against a team like Manchester city is just asking for a piping. So I think I'll settle on a four, one for Manchester city. They can also rotate a few of their players from the weekend fixture and, you know, not really feel the, the effects of uh, the, the, the pickup in frequency of games that's happening right around now. And uh, yeah, Leeds, uh, their playstyle, Leeds playstyle is just going to, it's going to really wear on them this time of year. When you add the injuries to players like Bamford and Calvin Phillips and a few of their defenders, it's not going to be a fun time for Leeds. Moving on to Wednesday, there's currently four games scheduled for Wednesday. Brighton will host Wolves Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. Burnley will host Watford, and Crystal Palace will host Southampton. All three of those games will be going on during that 2.30 p.m. time slot. A little bit later uh, in the afternoon, Arsenal will be hosting West Ham, which I'm willing to uh, give the crown of marquee matchup of the midweek. These are two teams right next to each other in the table. West Ham in 4th place on 28 points, Arsenal in 6th place on 26 points, with uh, Manchester United sandwiched in between them on 27. Arsenal managed to turn around their, uh, their 3 out of 4 uh, games with away losses uh, with a home win against Southampton, a decisive home win against Southampton. It's one that I'm sure Javier was very pleased with. But this is a, a different beast in West Ham. Now you can look at the West Ham draw up at Burnley this weekend and and say uh, their form away from home is not that good. They only beat Liverpool and Chelsea when they were at home, full home crowd behind them. And it's not going to lead to any kind of result for West Ham. But like I've mentioned on other pods recently, the, the thing that really stands out to me about West Ham is that it may not be pretty all of the time, but the mental fortitude and unwillingness to to concede any sort of ground in the competition. Yeah, yeah, the team like Arsenal will probably be able to get on top of them for portions of this game. It'll be at the Emirates. Arsenal have done most of their best work at the Emirates this season, but West Ham are a team that even if they go one or maybe even two nil down, I'd, I'd still sit there and say to Arsenal fans, you guys, you got to be careful. They get one goal in the next five to ten minutes before halftime, and all of a sudden Moyes is in the, the the dressing room with with his team saying, you can go and get a couple more and, and maybe even go win this game. Nothing is out of the question for them. They've uh, progressed in their Europa League, uh, from their Europa League group, and uh, that, that same mentality is something that makes me think they're Maybe not. It feels weird to even say this, but <laughs> it feels weird to even call them a dark horse. But they, they might be a dark horse to win the Europa League this year, depending on where their their aspirations lie more, whether it's in this battle for top four or uh, or another you know Europa League place next year or shifting their focus in the second half of the season, depending on their their matchups to your uh, U- U- European Cup run. They have the talent to do it. And that, that mental fortitude, I think, is just absolutely pivotal in doing so. So first step of that is going to be going to the Emirates on Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening in England, and putting on a show that uh, gets them something. I'm sure they would snatch your hand off for a draw right now. They're two points ahead of Arsenal, as I previously mentioned. Manchester United have had their game postponed, so no chance of United overtaking them in, in midweek. But I'd lean towards a 2-2 in this game. Arsenal as impressive as they were against, against Southampton if they have a similar start that, that they did in that Southampton game where the Southampton press was was getting to them usually we're used to seeing something of the opposite with Arsenal where they get out to a quick start first 10 to 20 minutes blitzing teams and getting on top of them and you know in Arsenal's own mind getting getting a lead and then defending that that was not the case against Southampton it was very much the opposite it was a lot of giveaways. Uh, a lot of last ditch defending, and eventually, once the game settled down, you know the moments of class from Lacazette and uh, and then Saka and uh, players like that were able to you know make the difference between a, a poor Southampton side at the moment. That is not West Ham at the moment. West Ham will uh, they will press Arsenal just like Southampton did, and they'll probably do it even better. They've got hardworking switchable players that are going to pop up in all different kinds of spots on the field that Arsenal won't be able to track as easily. And I wouldn't be surprised if West Ham themselves got out to an early lead of sorts. I'm going to lean towards a 2-2 here, but I think it's a come from behind 2-2 actually uh, where Arsenal take the lead a couple times, West Ham drag it back. And in the end, both teams are relatively happy to get out of this without losing and, and really destroying their confidence in the middle of this this Christmas run of games. It is worth noting before moving on from Arsenal that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang missed out on that Southampton game. He was suspended for disciplinary reasons by Mikel Arteta. It's rumored that he left the country without the club's consent to attend uh, to a family matter in in Africa, in Gabon. Again, that's rumors. So, uh, you know, don't quote me on that. But if that's the case, we, we really don't know whether that suspension is going to leak into this West Ham game. It's a game that could, on the on the one hand, they could really use him for it. But on the other hand, from what we've seen of him, maybe it is just better to stick with either Lacazette up top, or if he doesn't have the legs for it, play Gabriel Martinelli up top. And that's a young player that maybe doesn't have the experience of those other two. But based off form, he's probably the most confident and most energetic of those players at the moment. So you could you could see it working out. But that's something to keep an eye on for that West Ham-Arsenal game. While on Thursday, we're looking like we're going to have uh, three pretty tasty games. Hopefully, with the recent uh, COVID outbreak at Tottenham, this uh, first game of the the Thursday slate still happens. It'll be Leicester hosting Tottenham Thursday at 2.30 p.m. Tottenham obviously didn't play. Uh, Like I said, that Brighton game over the weekend was... Uh, postponed due to a, a pretty significant COVID outbreak in the Tottenham camp that also caused the Wren game in the Conference League on last Thursday to be postponed. But Leicester had themselves a little bounce back from their own European uh, disappointment of sorts. Uh, they had a 4 0 win at home against Newcastle, a first clean sheet for Leicester since the opening day of the season, and a first clean sheet at home since the, I think, 14 games in a row with no clean sheets at home, I heard about Leicester. So them hosting Tottenham, uh, fresh off that result against admittedly uh, lesser opponents, they're going to have a nice little boost of confidence and some important players coming back into form, namely Yuri uh, Tielemans, who had a brace against Newcastle, and James Madison, who was... Had his had his hands all over all four of the goals and was a, a true menace to uh, to Newcastle on the day. They got to rest Jamie Vardy in that game uh, after he played the full ninety minutes against Napoli in the Europa League defeat on Thursday. So with the ninety minutes to rest and you know more than half this week before the game with Tottenham, I'd be a little worried if I was Antonio Conte. It, it's uh, you know the it, it's kind of hard to reconcile whether. Teams having or getting, I guess, a little bit extra rest from some of these postponements of games. Whether that's actually a thing, or whether it's more beneficial to teams like Leicester, who you know have been playing and I, I guess, for uh, relatively have enough depth to rotate enough so that they can you know stay sharp as a team. I guess we're going to find out on Thursday because that's a that's a, a very. An interesting game, where Leicester a few weeks ago, it seemed, we're down in the dumps. There's no chance of them ever really returning to the the, the mostly good form that they've had under uh, Brendan Rogers. They've still played well at, at points, even when the results necessarily haven't been there. So this Tottenham game, it's a hard one to predict because, uh, like I said, Tottenham themselves, they have players who may still be Quarantining from COVID uh, for, the, for the outbreak, and players that may, while while they haven't been tested positive for COVID and they may not be affected by COVID itself, but they haven't played in more than a week now since they had their last two games in all competitions postponed. So how does that affect Tottenham, and how does it you know benefit Leicester with you know their players coming off a, a big home win against Newcastle and you know th- you know throwing that confidence into a game against the Tottenham team that they're trying to claw their way back up into the same conversation as in the league. I'm willing to lean towards Leicester here. I think it's going to be a, uh, <laughs> it's going to be a very end-to-end game, but I think Leicester end up winning at 2-1. Fifteen minutes after that Leicester-Tottenham game kicks off on Thursday, Chelsea will host Everton Thursday at 2.45 p.m. It's a homecoming of sorts for uh, Rafa Benitez, uh, as he's going to walk into a Stamford uh, Bridge, with uh, both the home and away fans booing him into oblivion. It's no secret that during his uh, half-season at Chelsea back in the 2012-2013 season, the match-going fans at Chelsea did not take to the idea one bit, despite uh, Benitez, from the outside, maybe seemingly doing a good job by winning that uh, that, Euro- that first Europa League uh, for Chelsea. But when you go through the, the battles... The wars, even that uh, Chelsea did with Rafa Benitez's Liverpool sides, uh, ten to fifteen years ago, you don't just turn around and make nice and say, "Yeah, all's forgiven." Yeah, you're Chelsea now. No, Rafa Benitez. It was a it, it was a perplexing choice in the first place, and he finds himself in a similar, similar situation uh, here as the Everton manager, where going into the season. It seemed just as strange that uh, the the Everton brass would, would hire a Liverpool legend, a man that I'm guessing some Liverpool fans in certain corners of Merseyside have the guy's face tattooed on their body. You know, that's it's not something if you're an Everton fan that you, you can wrap your head around quickly. And the poor form that they've displayed for the last few months certainly hasn't helped things. Yeah, they had the, the win over Arsenal. That was emotional and electric with uh, how Damari Gray uh, scored the winner right near the end of the game, the beautiful curled shot about a week ago. But they followed that up with a trip down to London. They've had a couple trips down to London now recently. That loss against Crystal Palace over the weekend and the Brentford loss a few weeks before that, uh, before they had the the Arsenal win. These are games that haven't been good showings for Everton or their fans the traveling away fans that make that trip down to London three times in the last month It will be after this Chelsea game they can't be thinking happy thoughts or they can't be really thinking optimistically after what they've seen the last two trips down of late because credit to Crystal Palace in Brentford but The the gulf in in class between the two sides is nowhere near as big as it will be in this Chelsea-Everton game. And Everton didn't show anything in those other two uh, London away trips. So Thursday, part of... I mean, you'll hear this theme a lot with me. Whenever a team is about to play Chelsea, I'm always worried. Because... We have a propensity, uh, Chelsea do, to uh, help teams turn their season around. So yeah, there is very much a scenario where Chelsea have eighty percent possession or some gaudy stat, and it's still nil nil in the seventieth minute. And you know, where Tuchel's trying all sorts of different things, like wingers playing at wing back, and you know, uh, taking off a midfielder and adding an extra striker, and just allowing the game to become end-to-end. The, the game could end up like that, where it's just a frustrating evening for Chelsea. But with Romelu Lukaku coming back into, uh, I, would, I would guess, good enough fitness after he started that Zenit game in midweek last week, that he should be able to start this game against Everton, his former club. And the way they've defended, I, I don't see any reason why he can't nab at least a goal while I would have wanted Lukaku to start that game against Leeds, uh, with hindsight, it kind of makes sense why he was left on the bench, brought on for the last 10 minutes uh, when Leeds had just equalized and Chelsea were looking for the winner. That Leeds game specifically is a very intense, uh, high-tempo game that you need uh, as high of work rate or as much work rate from every player in every position as possible. And with Lukaku, I'm not saying it would have been Impossible to play him in that game, but coming back from an injury, it was probably best for him to, you know, sit this one out, keep get himself rested and uh, ready for this Everton game where it's much more realistic to think that Chelsea are going to hold a bunch, uh, much more of the possession than Everton Pin Everton in in their own half and just allow Lukaku to uh, not, not that I, not, not that he can take the day off. Obviously, he's going to need to put himself in good positions. But I feel like it's much more realistic to say that Lukaku can expend like less energy against this Everton side, focus more on his positioning and, and his overall build up with the rest of the team, and just by pure you know footballing IQ, position himself in the right places to get himself a goal or two uh, from borderline tap-ins. So I'm not going to go too crazy. I'm going to say 2-0 Chelsea in this Everton game. Finally, on Thursday at 3 p.m., the midweek slate. is going to be wrapped up with Liverpool hosting Newcastle. There's not much to really cover here. It's the Newcastle team that I just mentioned. uh, Had a 4-0, a very embarrassing uh, 4-0 away at Leicester. I can't imagine Liverpool will take it any easier on them. With it being a midweek game in December and... Uh, You know Liverpool and their fans all full well knowing that this should be an easy win for them I think you may see uh, maybe not at first but as the game goes on depending on how big of a lead Liverpool have maybe they conserve a little bit of their energy in anticipation of uh, the away trip that they're going to have to Tottenham over the weekend on uh, Sunday. So I'm going to cut the preview short there. Again, don't hate me if uh, a couple of these games don't actually end up happening These are trying times uh, for everyone, trying to get uh, everything to keep chugging along while COVID is raging through the Premier League. We've obviously got more games next weekend. Javier's still going to be out, but uh, rather than just having to listen to my voice by myself again on Thursday, uh, I guess Friday morning with you guys, we're going to be getting the band back together. I've got Andrew confirmed joining us Thursday evening for a Friday morning release for the next episode. We're obviously going to talk about that Liverpool team, maybe talk a bit more big picture title ambitions for both uh, his Liverpool side and, you know, my favorite Chelsea side. And it's just going to be good to uh, have an old friend back on the pod. Always love it when the OGs get back together. So thank you guys for listening to this one. I really appreciate it. You can follow me on social media at ASMoss92. You can follow the podcast socials at Pod. Tune in Thursday night slash Friday morning for the weekend preview pod for me and Andrew and all of our thoughts on the Premier League. And until next time. See you.